late nights, playing in the dark and waking up inside my arms, boy, you always be in my heart and I can see in your eyes, you still want it, so don't forget about us. I'm still speaking from experience, nothing can compare to your first true love, so I hope this will remind you when it's for real, it's forever, so don't forget about us. Okay, okay, I know that song, I know, you know that, that song. Yeah, you know her? Yeah, I didn't know that was one of your faves. I, it's I my like that favorite, song Mariah. Really? I know. Yeah, it's my favorite Mariah song of all time. My favorite. Why is it your favorite? I'm so I curious. don't know. The I don't the actually the instrumentation I really like. Like okay. there's a, a longer instrumental version of that song. Oh my god, it's my absolute favorite. It's the mm. it's the number one Mariah song. Like back when iTunes yeah. used to have the the song counter, how many times you've listened to it? It was like Don't Forget About Us was like 680 times I listened to it. And then Can't Let Go was my second. That was my second favorite hmm. song, which I've sung on the show. Hmm. Huh. What about you, girl? What about you? What's going on? Um, <clears throat> okay. All right. Here I go. No, I can't forget tomorrow when I think of all my sorrow when I had you there, but then I let you go. And now it's only fair that I should let you know what you should know. <laughs> I can't live if living is without you. I can't live. I can't give anymore. Messed up that part, but you know that song? Oh, uh, without is that, you? That, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of her old. Yeah, I always think it's called I Can't Live, but it's um, that's on. I think you. that's that's on Music Box. I think that's yes, it on, is from 1993, girl. Yes. You know what's funny? That mm-hmm. is my earliest memory of Miss Mariah Carey is that album. Oh, really? Uh, because really? you know, I was a little. You know, we'll we'll do family trauma episode at some point, but I had a very um, stern father ex-father very protective very controlling <laughs> yes um and uh, yes we'll get into that <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> i'm gonna start yeah. using that ex-father. yeah i love that i love that ex-father. um and wh- so i didn't really get to choose my own music really not until like late high school i remember the first album i bought was madonna but the first m- album i really loved was i would just listen to my dad's music and i just found it so interesting that he had music box in his collection um because mostly he had a lot of like R&B, you know, he'd have some, like, black soul singers. But I remember two standout artists from me. He had Tracy Chapman and Mariah Carey. And for such a, like, scary, controlling, like, serious man, I mean, he had some levity to him. But I was just always found it so interesting for him to have Mariah. And I even asked him about it because it just, like, didn't match up. And he just, he said he just loved her voice. He loved, you know, her. He thought she was a beautiful singer. And so I listened to that album all the time, like, with a, I mean, you know, um, Dream Lovers on that album. Oh, love that. H- Heroes on that album too. Yeah. Hero, of course. Hero. Um, now that I, now that I know that it's for you, I can live what I want. I can get what I need. What you need. Um, oh, I just love that album. But yeah, that's my. You know, that's the first cassette that I ever. The first cassette I ever bought as a kid was Music Box. Oh, really? Yes. And then the okay. first CD I ever bought when I got fancy and got my own CD player was Daydream. The follow the album <gasps> right after that. Interesting. Yeah, with you know, Fantasy and One Sweet Day and Always Be My Baby. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, let's get into it. Well, girls, if you don't already know, you are back with another episode of Two Save Queens, one of the few places in the posphere where you can hear a conversation about politics. Maybe not so much dick this time around, but very much a lot about the elusive Chanteuse herself. We're talking about the woman who has sold over 200 million records worldwide, earned five Grammys, 19 World Music Awards, 10 American Music Awards, 15 Billboard Music Awards. She has 19 number one singles, the most of any solo artist and second only to the Beatles for any musical artist. The only artist to have a number one single in every motherfucking decade. And one of those spent 16 weeks until Old Town Road took it out in 2019. We're talking about the one, the only, Miss Mariah Carey. Yeah, girl. Um, yes. I'm yes, your host, yes. Miss Malachi, and I'm joined by the <laughs> our current representative of the Detroit Lambly, uh, Miss Devereaux. Hey, girls. Yes, I sure am a lamb girl. Yes, I am. Yes. I don't know why I never think about you being a lamb, but um, I mean, literally, you just said two of your, like, from the cassette to then the CD. Ooh. We'll be dating ourselves, girl. Talking about CDs, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, girl. <laughs> we some old that, queens, ho. Ooh, no, we no, some no, girl. old queens. What I we meant was, queens. what I meant was, when I had Spotify, because even talking about iTunes <laughs> feels like you're dating yourself. Um, when I when I was just watching videos on YouTube. <laughs> no, ho. Um, we bought cassettes and CDs. We're those ooh, type girl. of 30, 30 ooh, something don't bitches. Do this. Like, don't, yes. Ooh, boom boxes, CD yes. players. Yes. <laughs> Tape so my, yeah, so in 1993, I was bu- I bought that cassette uh, music box. I sure did. Mm. And then, and then my first CD I ever bought. I was so excited to get my CD player and buy my first CD was Yep Daydream 1995, mm. Mariah Carey mm. girl. And so, not only that though, girl, I was actually a member of the fan club. At oh two, yeah, yes, at two different points in my life, girl. So like <laughs> two different points, two different points. At my like, lowest, she was there for me. Like I wrote, you know, pre-internet, I wrote in and sent the check, girl, <gasps> to be wow. in the fan club back, like when I was like in my like preteen years, probably like. Around the time, I think um, the Butterfly album was out, maybe like mm-hmm. 1997, 98. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was like a preteen, teenager type T. And mm-hmm. then I joined again. Uh, I renewed my membership when uh, when Mariah went on the Adventures of Mimi tour in mm. 2006, girl, just so I can get fan club seats, girl, <laughs> to her show at Madison Square Garden, bitch, where I was right there in Madison Square Garden in 2006 wow. for the Emancipation of Mimi's um, oh, tour. Oh, big yeah. comeback out. That's kind of considered her big comeback album, isn't it? Like, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. For sure. That was, after the, that was after Glitter, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Glitter's 2001, and Emancipation of Mimi is 2005. The best-selling album of 2005. Some people say Eminem might have outsold her based on that year, but definitely the song of the year and the song of the decade was We Belong Together in 2005. Oh, I love We. And it's just such a simple song, but it's just so, I don't know, I just love, it's just so, it's just a nice, uh, she just, I feel like that's what's so special about Miss Carrie. It's like she's just, in her simplicity and the melody, um... And I know also just like a lot of girls that I know who are really close to Mariah just feels like, because she's been with us for so long, so right. like we take it for granted, but like that, 
you know, she's kind of part of people's lives in that. I mean, she's part of the Christmas season. She's part of heartbreak. She's part of falling in love. And because, you know, she's she's someone we haven't lost. Like, Whitney's gone. You know, a lot of the Motown girls are gone. Like, Aretha's gone. You know, I mean, we still have some people, but I think yeah. Mariah's kind of still holding it down. Yeah, um, she's still holding it down, girl. I always, I used to say this, girl, so we lost, we lost Whitney, we lost Michael, we lost Prince. I always say, mm-hmm. all we have is Mimi, girl. Mm-hmm. You gotta do a Mimi check-in <laughs> now and then. How's Mimi you doing? Gotta check in on her. How is Mimi doing, ho? Like, cause she's had her travails. She's had her battles, yes. too, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, girl, but seeing her at Madison Square Garden in 2006, cause what happened was, she's kind of a lazy tour girl. I'm not gonna lie. Like, she doesn't do, like in the 90s and early 2000s like she wouldn't put detroit on her tour list oh so, where, I so did, where did she go chicago? so she only big cities so she would go like the super big cities like new york chicago la mm. maybe atlanta like a city in texas but she mm. doesn't do Wait, like she would do a city in texas well i guess yeah like a like houston or a Dow- yeah oh, okay and then she like would in maybe d she would do like a 10 city tour instead of like a 20 city tour and like, and then maybe not even a 10 city. She might have been an eight city tour girl in the US. And like, so when I was interning in New York that summer in 06, like that was my chance to see her at the garden, her hometown mm-hmm. stadium, you know, because she's a New Yorker. And, and mm-hmm. also like P. Diddy came on stage for her on that concert. Mm-hmm. Jay Z came on stage because it was in New York. So it was like, I knew there was going to be other people who showed up and they sure did. I think Nas, Jay Z, Nas, and, um, and uh, who did I just say? P. Diddy all showed up P. with her. P. Diddy. He, mm-hmm. he came on and did Honey with her. Jay-Z came on and did Heartbreaker with her. And then Nas, I think, came on and did the Thank God I Found You remix, which is also mm. one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Oh, wow. You yeah. know, I I only saw... I saw her for the first time. Oh, God. I'm trying to think about the... Like, I feel like Rona got me all fucked up because I can't think of what time is. Like, when did this year start? When did it end? Like, so I saw her last year. Last, yeah. I saw her Christmas show. I think I told you. I went. Yeah, to you went to Vegas. You went to Vegas mm-hmm. go see her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that was my first time ever seeing her. Because I'll say, like, I think I've always appreciated Mariah, but I was a lot more, like, I was Miss Whitney, even when she passed. Well, early Whitney, because even when Whitney was, I was just like, oh, I only listen to old Whitney. Um, but I also was a Tony Braxton girl. Um, cause you know, I love oh, that yes. deep register. You I love, love a good ballad. I love a good ballad, too. Um, even for Mariah, I love her ballads probably more than anything. Um, but I think as the years have gone on, I've appreciated more and more of Mariah. And I think... What we're going to get into this week is talking about her autobiography, and that just took it to another level. Because I have to say, I was one of those girls that I wasn't judging, but a little judgy. Like, post-glitter, post-TRL, there was a part of me that was like, hmm, maybe she's not that girl. And I feel like this kind of, even in her own words, just kind of frames that episode, frames her life a bit differently. And even since then, the fact that she's been able to bounce back from, like, what happened with glitter, I mean, well... Let's start back from home life to Tommy Matola to glitter to American Idol with Nikki. Yeah, <laughs> girl. Like we're not yeah. going to go into that too much, but she just keeps on trucking along. I think there's something that perseverance is something real amazing about that. So I've really grown to really appreciate her and be thankful for Miss Carrie. Um, so we're talking about the meaning of Mariah. Um, so girl, how do you want to start this one? So so we so well, I guess let's just start with so the autobiography came out at the end of September, right? Yeah, September. Yeah, in September, um, yeah. Uh written by Miss Mariah Carey with um 
Michaela Angela Davis. You know, she you know, homegirl had a ghostwriter helping her. Of course, not, yeah. You know, yeah. You know she's, she's not a, a college girl. As I said on, you know, don't do she's a smart girl. She's a smart girl. Don't do this. But she's not uh, a college girl. Like <laughs> I said that on um our you know, your good cousins when we, we get okay. started on there, and it was it's true. Like We're gonna these girls have on. limitations, right? Okay, go ahead. We're gonna move on. Um and I think that um lost my train of thought um so all right so this came out in september and so i read the book um and yeah girls we know we're like literally two months late on this but it's it's been busy with the the fight for our democracy yeah Um, but we want to give y'all something lighter and we i finished the book actually a couple weeks ago um now you girl you read the are you read you listened (laughs) to the audiobook A bitch doesn't have that much time, girl. I got three goddamn jobs. She's a busy. Jobs, she's a business woman. I got three, <laughs> three jobs, bitch. But um, yeah, I did use the audiobook. Also, just based on the advice of some people that said the audiobook was well worth it, and I and they were right. Because now, she why breaks, was that, girl? She okay? She is, it, she is doing it in her own words, she, right? It's yes. She's the one reading it. She because some not not every audiobook you know mm-hmm. has the author actually reading it mm-hmm. um although i, I heard Bar- famous yeah barack obama now he actually is reading his own audiobook for his new book too but yeah, he got Mar- that yeah but Mar- a long ass book <laughs> long, yeah, 700 pages. some pages yeah but yeah mariah carey it's in her own voice and she breaks out into song sometimes mm-hmm. you know hearing the stories from her perspective they i really really am thankful to the people who told me to do the audiobook um, and I was able to just, you know, do it on walks while I was exercising, mm-hmm. listen to it like a mm-hmm. podcast almost. So I loved it. I'm grateful I did it that way. I really yeah. am. I mean, I think I would have, I think I probably would have done, because I'm a, I'm a reading girl. So I like, and I like to just, Im- I know how Mariah sounds. I like to imagine it. I also just like to like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not a big audiobook person, but I also did like, you know, you got, I mean, well, you bought the book as well, but you have like I some did, pictures yeah. in there. So I liked being able to look at that and refer to that. I like to be able to like Google stuff while I'm reading. I don't know. But I really enjoyed reading it. I have to say, just top level. Let's start there. Like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, and I'll say this: I don't, I don't think for most books, I probably if I do the audiobook, I probably will buy the actual physical book too, just to have mm. for my library for later on, you know, or to let a girl borrow it. Or I think I'll, I generally will always buy a physical book too. I'm, I'm still a physical book girl primarily. Mm-hmm. I will say, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so, girl, are you ready to dive in? Yeah, <laughs> let's, go, let's dive right let's, in. Miss Devro, Miss Devro, Miss Malachi's book review. <laughs> yeah, 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 girl. Um, <laughs> We're literary so, critics all of a sudden. Yeah, huh? girl. I yeah. mean, we might start our own book club. Oprah better watch out, bitch. She better watch the fuck out. R- Ratchet really? ass book club. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so it starts with. I mean, I just kind of call this, let's just say, young Mariah. Like, we're kind of... I Actually, I'm trying to think. I mean, it seems like her memory. Like, she's got an amazing memory. Yeah, she really does. um, Because I'm trying to think at what age. Is she, like, eight or... I don't know. I feel like she some... no. She starts at like three. Like her earliest memory oh, wow. is at three years old. And I know that like my first memory is around five years old, maybe four. Mm. But I heard that you know uh, cisgendered women can remember things earlier in life than girl. Where that? Where you get that study from? Where's no, that study I remember from? reading that. But uh-huh. like, yeah, but cisgendered women can remember things earlier than cisgendered. That is such a specific men. take. But okay. And, um, um, yeah, so it starts at like three, where she talks about. I think like her first memory was. Uh, when the police came yeah. to the house, she was only three yeah. years. Uh, she was only three years old, yeah. girl. 
Um, so who I kind of want? Let's give them a hand at this story. So, girl, her dad. And oh her wait, bro- let's. Oh wait, before we before we do that, let's say uh-huh. girls. We're obviously, but if you haven't read the book yet, we're gonna get into spoilers. So don't tell us later, like, oh, bitch, I wish you had held that back. I wish you didn't talk about that. So we're getting into stuff. We're getting into spoilers. So log out, ho. Log, log out. out. Log Come out. Listen ho. to it later. Log okay. out. Okay. I want to say that because you'd be okay. surprised that a girl would be like, oh my god, I can't believe that y'all said. Th-. I'm like, bitch, we're talking about the book. But, yeah, log so, out. Come back to us later okay. if you haven't read it. All right, go read ahead, girl, that sorry. shit and then come back. Okay, so girl, and some of the girls are not going to read it anyway, so it's okay. So for those girls, just listen. Anyway, but yeah, her dad and her, her brother, I guess I read up a little bit. I did a little research. He was born with cerebral palsy. He struggled in school. And then they lived, they made a conscious choice. Her parents, she had, you know, her black dad and her white mom. Who? They, black dad, dad was quite handsome. I think he was a handsome. Yeah, guy. he was handsome. I was looking at old pictures of him too. Yeah, he my, was. My and her, was kind of pretty too. She was she too, especially woman. with her dark yeah. hair. Yeah, she was really mm-hmm. pretty too. And they, obviously though, they got together, they got together and got married even before Loving vs. Virginia was decided by the Supreme Court. So they this is the sixties which parents... that which allowed for interracial Exactly. Exactly. Interracial marriage. So so the thing is they like so but one thing one mistake that they made to me is instead of they were, you know, living in Brooklyn at the time, in Brooklyn Heights, which is kinda like it was even back then was kind of a hipster neighborhood, mm-hmm, diverse. Mm-hmm. They made the choice to move deeper out into Long Island among a bunch of white people. And I thought that was a huge mistake because I think that resulted in a lot of trauma for all three of their kids. Mm-hmm. The the oldest, who was a boy, Morgan, that nigga's fine as fuck, too. If you go and look on Morgan oh, really? Carey, he is fine, too. Yeah, Girl, I literally was imagining moves. him as, like, a brick, uh, just because just his behavior, like, just a yeah. troll from his behavior. Ooh, that scene when he, like, pushed his mom into that wall, which yeah. she talks about in that early, because she's, well, I think, like, six or, she's very young when that happens, when he slams her mom into the wall and she like doesn't move for a minute and it's like ooh that, ooh, that was a lot but um, yeah, a lot. I'll look him up but you know I have trouble thirsting for someone who you know commits yeah he's abuse. and he's definitely physically because he I read that he was actually born with cerebral palsy he probably struggled in school and then he was probably bullied for being mixed race and he's mm-hmm. slightly he's not Mariah made it seem like her brother and sister were a little like a lot browner than her they're not that much browner she, than her you know what I I actually had that feeling that they would almost be able to pass and girl they look they're like a shade dark like they definitely look mixed like they yeah. may look a little latinx but yeah. but i guess mariah could at some points in her life be white passing and they yes, you can and that's uh, fair and you could say her brother and sister you know they're non-white like you, yeah, com- yeah. you they're very fair skin but you know that they're still non-white yes. but they could have said they were puerto rican or anything right? yeah yeah because they they definitely are very fair skinned but i think the brother was real fine but he obviously had he was like physically very aggressive with everyone in the family and he got into a fight with the dad while the mom and dad were still married and you know they call and i guess probably the mom because she was she was a white bitch who called the police often and that comes get to that oh girl oh i would never deal with that bitch again if i was mariah never but anyway we'll say that yeah but she but she somebody called the police because they had a blowout the dad when the dad and the and the boy Morgan when he was a teenager and Mariah just remembers him going back and forth and then all these white policemen coming into her house when she was three mm-hmm. and she was so traumatized by that because she like she could she never associated the police with anything good ever like being there for safety like just I like mean, we think now she was kind of like most black people don't but <laughs> yeah but I think she was kind of ahead of the curve because she was only three years old knowing <laughs> yeah, that the police didn't sure. represent anything good to her <clears throat> like at all. 
No. Yeah. And I know you, so you had that question about like, why would they move to this neighborhood? And I know we talked offline a little bit. And it's like, well, you know, some like her dad, her dad, we, we'll get to her dad, but her dad definitely has some respectability to him. And for like, sure. For sure. and I think some, I think uh, a lot of people who are respectability on that T also kind of believe in that, like, they believe that the system will, even if it is technically unfair, they still believe they do certain things right. It will work out. Like, justice will prevail, even for an unfair system. I don't know why they think that. But I'll give him that. But I also think some of it is, like, from her descriptions of her mother, like, for as much as she was giving me kind of, like, upper white woman, I think she was kind of a bit more bohemian, a bit. I mean, she literally was, like, you know, married a black man before it was legal and had three children with him. I think there was a bit of idealism to her mother. So I could also see her playing a part in that move of, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Like, think, like to ahead of where they actually are in the world like thinking you know so and i think that was a huge mistake because i feel like they would, <laughs> they, they would have been better you know yeah they i think I mean, the kids would have had way less bullying way le- uh, with regard to their race way less trauma if they had just stayed in brooklyn not gone out you know but also too i read that the dad was actually like an engineer and but he should have realized the limitations of respectability politics even though he was himself a professional man like he was charged he was girl, falsely you charged call, you, call, you with hindsight with hindsight girl. i mean we, he was we, falsely we have, charged different politics well yeah. i mean okay girl he was falsely charged with rape you know when he was in the service right and like yeah, of raping a white tea. woman and i don't even know how he even married a white woman after that like after being falsely <laughs> accused of rape by a white woman while he was in the service, I couldn't have done that shit. So he he had a lot. That her dad must have had a lot of issues too to still marry a white woman after that. I, I would be done. <laughs> I'd be done. Girl, people have do have harmful stuff happen to them all the time, and still, you know, not to get into yeah, girl. And that, I think but. it wasn't necessarily then that the white woman was really lying on him. She just said it was a black man, and they just picked up the first black man they saw. Of course, right? I mean, you could just blame you it know. on like unfair circumstance. Like it wasn't necessarily you know she didn't necessarily point him out, but right, right. Um, and then her mom too, Patricia, Patricia Carey was a piece of work, Mariah's mom. But, um, you know, sometimes she's a sympathetic character throughout the story. And sometimes she's like just a, a, a white woman. Like she's called, she's constantly calling the police in different scenarios where it will obviously put her non-white kids at risk. And so it's just mm. like, I just I don't, mean, fe- I don't fuck with her mom at all. I really don't. Oh no. I like, uh, I mean, I think, I think it's that realization that your parents, are aren't gods they're not divine like they're not they don't necessarily have it all worked out they don't have it necessarily figured out they're people too and i think we especially early on you constantly felt like um mariah carey's mom or pat it's like she calls her pat now right, <laughs> She's like, right. I'm calling you mom uh that therapy got her together with that um because you haven't she hasn't often been a mother to her um but oftentimes she kind of she learned really early on that she didn't have shit figured out like and in some ways, she had to, Mariah had to break away from Pat, break away from her mom to be able to grow and to be able to do, you know, live her life. Because otherwise, in some ways, she was stifling. She was, you know, very passive aggressive about things. And jealous. Um, she was a je- she was jealous of her daughter's success. Yeah. Like, because she could, wanted to, be, it's worth saying that she wanted, her plans were to be an opera singer, right? And I think she actually was an opera singer. Oh, I sorry, think, she was. I think yeah. she actually was an opera singer. Like, beautiful deep husky voice so mariah says in the book uh but then obviously mariah was getting a lot of 
you know, getting a lot of accolades very early on. Like, I think she started, you know, singing professionally when she was like 12 years old. So mm. her mom, one time when they were in the car, her mom was like, you will never be half the singer I'll be or Oof. something along those lines. Could you imagine if your mom says that to you and you're 12 years old? Like, oh, I don't want to put other people's business out there. But I mean, I know people's moms who say that to their moms and daughters have certain like people say that they they say that shit to their daughters (laughs) i do do know people say shit who say awful shit to their daughters and then be like you know gaslight them all types of shit because it's yeah it's i don't know it's you know what that's true that does happen often i guess it just really stuck mariah said that's something that'll always stick with her and she realized then that her mom really wasn't the ally for her that she yeah and i like the and i like the petty that she got the payback she got when she um what was it Pavardi, uh who the famous opera singer who she got oh to meet, yes and then yes. brought her mom to me <laughs> yes yes that's she a got, good level she, petty she, yeah that was some good level petty and then we the sister too was a oh my gosh girl the sister was oh girl her sister was a troubled soul she got she had she was a teenage mom but i do hate this she was 15 years old when she got pregnant with her oldest son she was forced to marry the like 19 year old service member who mm. she got pregnant by and moved to Germany mm. or somewhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. And what kind of thinking was, why would they make that 15 year old girl? I'm sure some, girl. they didn't have it figured out. They made that 15 year old girl just to get married, move all the way over. That, that had to be so traumatic for her. I know that mm. was terrible for Allison. Um, which was her sister, but also her sister became a very hardened and tragic figure too. Cause when she came back, she, you know, became drug addicted and became mm-hmm. a prostitute, but then tried to set Mariah up mm-hmm. with her pimp to also become mm-hmm. a prostitute when Mariah was 12 years old. So, oh my God. You know, when I was reading that chapter, I was like, please don't let this girl get raped. Please. Uh, yeah. but it was still, it was like right up to the edge. I was like, oh Lord. Oh girl. Is... It was so bad. Um, it was so bad. But I like, told, yeah, I, me and my sister would be done at that point forever. At, yeah well but she was a little girl then so um i mean mean, well i mean she wasn't a little i mean she was like in high school but um well she was 12 so 12 you can't really make permanent decisions about your family at 12 that during she was 12 during she was 12 during that during that incident Mm. actually Mm. because her sister got her her own phone in her room and you're oh you're right oh she was only 12 when that was happening Mm because i knew she was in high school um but um yeah, I mean, I, she's thankful for, like, her nephews slash brothers, uncles that came out. You know, she's so close to them and, like, their family um, to her in more ways than her brother and sister are. But, yeah, that sister, um, yeah, she did some um, awful stuff to her. It's, it's uh, yeah. I, 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 There's another I, thing her sister does to her that's in the book that I don't want to give away, actually. We'll leave some things for the girls to okay. read. But oh, there's a, oh there's I another, know. There's another Girl, thing her sister does, and that would have been actually, it. I would have taken that bitch out if I was. I think Mariah, that was. Actually. I felt I like taken that her was... out. Fuck her. Fuck her. So yeah, we're, let's not talk about that. That shit that happened. I mean, okay, okay, you want to leave it, but it was. It sounded so trauma, and I think what you kind of see, and we're gonna get into some of her love, uh, her um, intimate relationships, but I think there's just, and I can see that. Like, there's parts of me that felt triggered. I mean, this is where like. It's hard to let people go. And it's hard to, like, see people differently. Like, if you think of someone as your mom, like, especially if you're so used to Like, you don't know what it's like to have a different type of home life. So, for you, this is normal. It's not until you have someone outside of yourself, whether it's a friend, a therapist, someone close to you, to say that, like, 
this is not normal for her, for Mariah Carey. That was normal for her, for that to be the way her brother acted, her sister, her dad, her mom. So if that's your normal, then in some way you don't understand that, like, you should step away from this. You should not accept this because for you, that's normal. Um, and I think it's so hard because it takes, sometimes it takes a long time to realize that what the type of relationship you have with people that's not your sister. That's not your brother. Girl, that's and not even the type and, of relationship. That's not a motherly relationship. Oh, and then no. into adulthood, both her her brother and sister have tried to extort her and went to the, oh. you know at various points and gone to the press and said things about her to you know in the press to yeah. try to get payouts from the tabloids and it's just like and I guess she has financially supported them in various ways throughout the year. So for them to do yeah. that to her, you know, I think even the mom has been. She hinted that even their mom has been in on some of that mm-hmm. stuff too. So. Mm-hmm. A bit, but now the mom, I just read recently, the mom actually, I think, has mental decline now. She's in a mm-hmm. home in Westchester County, New York. So, you know, she's mm-hmm. not, the mom is not even who she used to be anymore. She's like a debt. Yeah. She's basically like, that girl is gone. The, 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 you know, the mom that Mariah even knew, the problematic mom she knew is, n- is no longer because she's basically, it sounds like she has dementia at this point. So, yeah. I mean, we'll say some stuff for that glitter episode, but it's just that, um, reminder that you know she just needed to like protect like yeah she needed to reevaluate these people in her life oh for Um, sure like a lot happened in that glitter episode that i kind of won't go into but i oh i remember what i was gonna say what i wanted to say was just like reading this it still felt like it felt unfinished and i think i'll leave like larger critiques on the autobiography because you know we're you know she's we're book critics now girl um but (laughs) Yeah, yeah the way she talked about her family felt like it's not fin, and I think I don't know if that's because those bitches still trying to sue her and get some money, so she don't want to like put something down that's going to get them fueled to try and extort her for more money, or if just she's still doing that work. Because in reality, it doesn't seem that long ago that she still worked through. You know, we're thinking about glitter stuff like what two thousand was that two thousand two thousand one. So it's almost so twenty it, years. It's, it's almost twenty years. But it's ago. still, it's, I don't know. There's just and maybe it's just she's still too close to it. But I just felt reading that like it didn't feel like there was full resolution. Um, yeah, way, I felt like she came to terms with her mom. She definitely came to terms with her dad. Um, but it felt like with her brother and sister specifically, that didn't feel like I was. Well, she like, says she missed something. She, no, she, it says it says with her brother and sister, she's no longer in communication with them. So she has cut them off. Okay, essentially, okay. just the mom is the only one where she has a. You know, that's a more complex relationship, but she acknowledges yeah, yeah, it's a fair. nuanced, you know, sometimes yes, we're in yes. communication. That's why she does call not. her Pat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they her um, only her mom and then her nephews who are her sister's two yes, sons. Yes, now yes. and also we do have to acknowledge that her sister, you know, has been HIV positive since the late eighties, I believe. Mm-hmm. She was a prostitute. She uh did draw you know she she was a very troubled she so she, her sisters had a very tough life but yeah you know i think part of that was i think i think i think that was the parents fault for sending her off at 15 years old that she came back so hardened and she got into drugs and prostitution and so the sister is in a desperate situation i think but I, i've heard mariah's tried to pay for rehab for her multiple Mm. times and also tried to help her brother financially multiple times who i guess at one point had his own successful career but he's trying to extort her now too even to this day he's trying to extort her so but i mean like thinking about the parent like because we're going real quick before we move on like i think you know one of the nice things was seeing that kind of full circle moment with her dad and like i think early on what you realize is that the only 
Or what you get through this whole autobiography is the only way that Mariah, and I, I know there's certain people who are just like that, the only way that she knows how to communicate is through her music. And that part of that came from because when she was a child, she wasn't able to kind of have a voice or have a name because she didn't was in an environment that even taught her how to like say this is what racism is. This is why you're. This is why this is happening to you. This is what you should do in this situation. If someone calls you the N word, and that was one of the things she had like a lot of you know issues with her dad about, and like you know finally did tell him like you know. I had to figure this out. I was just kind of left to myself. And I think that's my biggest issue with her dad was like, here's this person with this military background on this respectability tee. And it's like, my nigga, you went and got this white woman and brought these three mixed children into the world and you're not giving them the tools to survive. Right, like, that's right. so fucking... And, I, and it's like, you can't just think that like, going about things the same way, like... The, the hair episodes like this girl's hair is not just like your brothers and sisters like her hair is different like you can't just do things the same way you have to do more and he just wasn't capable of that i mean beyond the fact they ended up getting a divorce and that just adding more trauma on top of it but um i mean i was happy he, he was a limit he was a limited black he was man limited. for sure yeah. he was a limited black man for sure which there yeah. are very there are a lot of limited black men and yeah. he's one of them. He's yeah. one of them. Yeah. So, like, like, I hate that Grammy episode where she, like, got two Grammys and he was still, like, you know, it still wasn't enough. Like, that, per- but it's, like, limited, but in the same way, still seeking a kind of perfectionism. And yeah. Like, this bitch just got two Grammys and you didn't even help her do this. I know and that had to trigger you, girl. I know that oh, had to trigger you. Know, you. Oh, you know, I did. I knew, I knew that. Just... I was thinking about that when I was reading it. I knew that had to trigger you or listening. Because that's what I was going to say. Like, there's two. I got triggered, and we were, I don't know if we won't go into like love interests after this. I got triggered. There's two people that triggered me in this book. The, the dad stuff, because of course, military background. My dad was a um, Marine. He went to Vietnam. Like, I think that's where he got a lot of his trauma. And it was like, for me, like bringing home a B was not acceptable. Like, I had to bring home straight A's. Like, and just always wanting to do more, do more, trying to like seek profession. And that shit still fucks with me today. Like, it's hard for me to do things creatively or just do certain things if I don't feel like I can do them exceptionally well or really well. I don't want to even start them. Um, so that shit. And then the Tommy Matola stuff. Like, she just was constantly surrounded by toxic masculinity. Or just, I mean, her brother, we've been talking about him, but then even in her intimate relationships, that was there. Um, Oh yeah, get, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about her love life. So I guess yeah, it sounds almost like she kind of alluded to the fact that I mean she got Tommy Matola was uh, like twenty years older than her. 20, and we should say who Tommy Matola is. And the, he was the um, he was the head of executive. Sony. He was the head of Sony Records at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, she got introduced to him at a party by her friend Brenda K. Starr. Um, and, you know, Mariah was 19 at the time, just trying to get a record label or, you know, a record deal in New York City. And they just all happened to go to this fancy record industry party. And she met this man and he was just smitten with her. I think he was a good 20, 21 years older than her mm-hmm. when I looked it up. And, mm-hmm. and, um, so mind you, she's 19 and he's like 40. It's like a Prince Charles and Princess Diana situation, kind of mm-hmm. even more extreme than that, because I think Princess Diana and Prince Charles only are like 14 years apart or so. So it was kind of an interesting, like, power dynamic. But then he went, took her demo, went and looked in his limo, and then signed her immediately. So he did give her her big break. But then he's also kind of predatory, Tommy Matola, and, like, 
a mind mind you if the head of your record label who signed you is trying to get with you romantically what do you do at 19 years old like mm. you you view that that's your ticket because if you if you reject his advances like your livelihood is at risk. Cause I, mm. I didn't like nowadays, this would be a sexual harassment case, mm-hmm. you know, in 2020 mm-hmm. versus 1990 or 1989 or whatever it was. But yeah, that was the gag girl. I thought that was, and it was just so hard to see like how, and I get it, but like how she came to terms with it was like all that matter, like all that matters to my carries her music. All that mattered to her is to be able to put her music out there. And for her, it was like almost that like devil's bargain. She's like, if this is the only, if this is a way that I can, be a musician be a singer and get my music out there then it feels like a price to pay and it feels like looking back she's still kind of or maybe that's just how she kind of came to terms with it It was like she's still kind of okay with that bargain i mean in that sense i was like well girl you were in that relationship too long girl i think you had paid your due way like (laughs) yeah like oh just because yeah i mean she was married to him for well, they were together a good eight years, and then they were married for at least like five years. But she called, look, girl, when you're calling your compound together, you're calling it Sing Sing after the prison mm. in New York. Like you're calling, you literally call it Sing Sing because that man was so controlling. He didn't even want her literally getting out of bed to go get a snack from the kitchen mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. He would, he would get on the intercom. Where are you? What are you doing? Cameras you know, he, all over. He would have security, security following follow her, her spying on her. You know. It was wild. Uh, that that, that DeBrat episode when they, she was just trying to get a fucking burger. <laughs> just to go yeah. get. And I think there's something also about how part of how he was able to do that. And I think this is how. Just like, tell them a little bit about that episode. Just because like what happened was one of my favorite Mariah songs is the Always Be My Baby oh, remix. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, the Always Be up. My Baby remix, which is. And they shot. They recorded it at. Uh, this $30 million house that Mariah and Tommy Matola built in Bedford, New York, which is in Westchester yes. County. And so she invited Jermaine Dupree, mm-hmm. DeBrat, who was under his label, and Escape, who was under his label, including mm-hmm. including Candy and Tiny, to the compound mm-hmm. uh, where they were recording. And the music video is so cool. I lo- This is one of my favorite remixes ever of hers. It's always been my baby remix. The music video mm-hmm. shows them recording in the room where she has this indoor pool and everything. But this is that when they were recording that video, that's also when she goes and gets in one of her cars with DeBrat and they take off and go to like a Burger King nearby. Cause basically DeBrat, she started to give DeBrat this tour. I guess they had, were taking a break cause Jermaine was still in the studio and like she was and DeBrat, she's kind of showing DeBrat around and then showed her the cars and they basically just made her like, they're, they're young girl. They're like, let's just go out. Let's sneak out. And so they sneak out in one of Mariah's cars and go, what is it? Burger King? They go they somewhere. To Burger King. Yep. To Burger um, King. And while they're out, her phone starts blowing up and it's like, cause no one knows where she is. And like, literally like security is threatening Jermaine. Like, yeah. I don't even know if it's at gunpoint, but like, they're like, where the fuck is Mariah? He doesn't know. He's like begging them to come back. And, like, it's at that moment that DeBrat tells Mariah, like, this isn't okay. Like, this is not but right. I don't like Mariah putting them in that scenario, in that situation. I thought that was dangerous of her to put them in I that don't scenario. think, I, not to make excuses, but I bet she did not know. I I don't know. She's, she did that twice she, in the book where I felt no. like she didn't recognize the scenario she was putting black people in. Like... Yeah. Like, and I feel like she didn't exercise her privilege in a way to protect other black people. That bothered me. And that was one of the scenarios with when Jermaine Dupree and Escape were back at the house and security yeah. was threatening them. And her and DeBrat are out mm-hmm. and DeBrat is at risk because, of course, they're going to come and try to 
find them and it's just mm-hmm. i just i didn't like that i didn't like because despite tommy motella marrying a, a black woman mixed sheets black he did not he was not down with the people i'll say that like, yeah he for sure was a man at those times um and, and neither like, was and neither was her sec her other her next love luis miguel like who was like the the latin elvis and he mm. said to her you know well, i don't consider you black he said that to her and she said that was what really, they had a r- romance of a few years. And she said that's what, you know, post Tommy Matola, when Mariah finally got out of that marriage. And she was just saying, like, that's what did it for her, like, where she had to leave him. But I actually looked up recent pictures of Luis Miguel. And she had that nigga during his fine years. And now that motherfucker <laughs> has aged terribly. He had some You're bad so plastic hilarious. surgery. So I root, I'm like, so like, look at God, girl. Look at God. Cause she got him during the fine years. And now he mm. ain't, he looking like shit. So. And thankfully, then she got saved by Mr. Derek Jeter, the baseball player. Yes, like, yeah, that was that was such a good. I loved reading. I that love that too. Ugh. Yeah, because here's another here's another mixed person with a. I mean, as as far as you know from being the outside, but with a seemingly healthy, you know, mixed family or one that at least is more supportive than hers was, and just seeing that oh, this can work. Um, so. Yeah, that was really interesting. And then when she kind of gets much later, I loved her Derek Jeter years. I thought they were so great together. Also, I was but... like, look at Mariah talking about how she getting it in with Derek and just like owning her sexuality. I'm like, all right, Mariah. She still tried to be a little coy about that. We got to be I honest. Mean, she, she didn't. You want to know? You want to know how big the dick was? I mean, and I knew she wasn't gonna be that type of girl like we are. But I thought maybe she'd give us a little bit more. But... Like, did it hurt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause she really doesn't. She doesn't sound like she's had a lot. I I feel like she lost her virginity to Tommy Matola based on oh like yeah. thinking about like. And I don't think she's had a lot of. You know, she's now she's all religious now. And I don't think she's had a lot of dick. I don't think she's had a variety of dick. I really don't. Not as much as people think she might have. Um, Nick Cannon though, when she finally gets to the Nick Cannon years. And they kind of have that whirlwind romance and they get married and she talks about a miscarriage they had. Mm-hmm. But I felt this was a huge failure of hers in the book too. I thought she could have been honest about using in vitro fertilization and using IVF and in what that process was like, you know, getting pregnant mm-hmm. at 40 and having those twins because mm-hmm. at, at some point earlier in, you know, when the twins were born, her to her son, Moroccan and her daughter Monroe, they're, beautiful kids they're like nine years old now i believe um she she i think there was like they they have pictures of her going into a fertility clinic an Mm. ivf clinic obviously when you have twins at that age like i have a, a teacher from high school who had who had ivf who had you know, twins in her early 40s, too. That's really how it ends up happening, where they have those multiple births, because IVF lends itself mm-hmm. to multiple births, the technology does, or the science does. So I think mm-hmm. she she wasn't she wasn't candid about this in the book, and I think that's gonna I... help, could have helped people. It could have helped people talk about infertility issues, like Michelle Obama basically did, too, in her yeah. book. Well, let's finish with the love life, because I, I think that goes into, like, one of my, uh, yeah, my big critiques for the book, is, like, that latter that later half latter half felt a little like right or felt like yes if like it felt like it could have maybe there's a part two coming and probably you know mariah's still around like thank god right, so I'm, right. but um but i'll get to that but let's finish with her love um 
love life and then well she probably doesn't want to say anything about the you know the father her the father of her two children i understand she doesn't want to say anything negative about him because he never talks negative about her when he goes on interviews when he goes on wendy williams when he goes on different shows he will not say one bad word about yeah i thought she was fair i mean yeah i thought she was fair i mean i thought and i think she kind of talked about what drew her to him is that he just he's just a sweet guy like and i think that could be so refreshing compared to all her previous relationships like someone who really was just into her and cared about and also like still a bit childlike which is the other thing that i took away from this which i think you can imagine from anyone at her or someone who lived that life i think michael was that same way and it's so interesting that tommy matola compared her to michael is that i think mariah lived a very stunted childhood like a very stunted life like it didn't feel like it wasn't until she was like free from tommy matola and that's what in her mid-20s or late going into her late 20s is that she literally was starting to like um you know, know, have her own identity, have her own agency. And that, that was the thing I actually wanted to say earlier was that part of, I think, those Tommy Matola years was in some ways hiding from her her impact. Like, the fact that she didn't know that she was so regarded among people of all, how, how her music impacted so many people. And that helped him control her. And it wasn't until she kind of, I think she talked about seeing those fans um i can't remember when you probably know when it that was, was it, that was fans. in 19 that's probably in 1994 mm-hmm. so she was like she had already she, released she'd already released music box she so it was like mm-hmm. 1994 when she was filming a, a during thanksgiving 1994 yeah it was thing, Christmas, i thought it was Christmas Christmas she didn't know why there were police barcades and they're like it's for you ho like she's literally like why are there all these police like who is this all for <laughs> like yeah. and i think that's just so crazy to me but um yeah, I, I think that's, you know, now that she knows that. And that whole thing when he, like, threw that, like, collage or that fan book that um Billy um Billy B had put, her makeup artist had put together for her, he threw that in the fire. Like, oh, God, I, that shit fucked me up. I hate that shit. Um, but, you know, I will say, just kind of, like, thinking about Nick Cannon, too, because he is 10 years younger than her. And I like you said, I think she was. But one thing that's really interesting about Nick Cannon, I think he had a childhood crush on Mariah, where it was one of those things where he used kind of, like, the law of attraction to say, I'm going to I'm gonna get with Mariah Carey one day. Oh, my God. And he got yes. her. And guess who else has that, too? Katie, Katie Holmes, when she was 10 years old, she wrote in her diary, I'm going to marry Tom Cruise one day. And that shit happened, girl. And both, so both Katie Holmes, so who, so Tom who are you, Cruise. Who, who are you gonna do, girl? Who's your law of attraction? Who are you putting out there? You know, you don't want to. But look at look how both of these scenarios turned out. Because you, you, okay. But here's here's what I'll say. Okay, Katie. First of all, Katie didn't know Tom Cruise. If she knew, she would know he was a closeted homosexual. Look it up. <laughs> right, but right. um, Nick and Mariah allegedly, allegedly, me, allegedly. Sorry, alle- allegedly. Sorry, we can't. Oh, girl, we can't get yeah, sued. Yeah, yeah. It's too early. We don't have no lawyers yet. Yeah, we don't. But um. With Nick Cannon and Mariah, a part of me thinks that, and she kind of talked about their egos, but a part of me is like, well, how does Nick Cannon have an ego compared to Mariah? But he's still a famous person. She kind of feels like if they had communicated differently or worked through it or let go of some of their egos, they could still be together. And I think that's the thing of like, I mean, that's just people, but I don't know. Well, he was getting really big during their time together because he was starting to host those talent shows. He was on mm-hmm. like network TV. I think Nick so... Cannon is pretty big, but yeah. he's not fucking Mariah Carey. Yeah, he's, he's not, not a cultural icon. He's not, but he probably, you know, men, you know how men are like. You know how, you know how heterosis these dudes be. You know how niggas be. Yeah. Um, and one, one interesting thing is she probably has a non disclosure agreement because she got a payout, but she doesn't talk about that billionaire Australian guy she was seeing, James Packer, who I also think is a queen, allegedly. I think. <laughs> 
that nigga is a queen because, and I think he got with her just to, because you know, Wendy Williams always talks about this, how some rich people, money's not enough for them. They want to be famous too. And he thought Mariah was just coming up to be famous. But I think that Australian billionaire she was with, I think he was a queen. I really do. Mm. I just, I don't have any evidence to that. I just think that's my opinion. So that nigga cannot sue us, you know, but yeah. <laughs> But what else is her love like? Because there's a dancer, right? Yeah, she doesn't. She only she only thinks because I guess they're still together. So right. she only thinks she doesn't talk about him. She only thinks him. Really, she doesn't talk about him much. I'll say she just. I think she him. does mention him. She mentions him, and she because I think she mentions him in the, their tour bus, right? I think that. Yes, bus. yes, but I they're technically still together, I believe. Mm. So Brian he's Tana- sexy. Brian Tanaka is his name. I think he's Japanese American. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Mariah's making up for the D. A I little Asian definitely. D for you know, you know, a little diversity. Her. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. But so girl, just girl. think about the breakdown and the glitter time time. Let's do it. Let's do it, girl. Girl, my here's my thing. She talks about her breakdown in terms of like, oh my god, my mom and my brother are extorting me and forcing me into these mental institutions. But girl, they diagnosed her with bipolar during that time. Okay, okay. And, and okay. so, and here's my okay. thing: is I thought well, this is another, just like with IVF. She didn't. <laughs> she wasn't very. If you're gonna, if you're gonna tell okay. the whole world your story, don't just tell okay. it about your sister and your brother okay. and everybody else. Tell your story too, girl. You are diagnosed bipolar, which you revealed in 2018. So be honest Ooh. about that, because that can help the mental health girls. That can help okay. those girls. Because okay. does she say it at any point? Does she mention not? A, not at all. Okay. Not at all. So I. So so the backtrack, like the glitter episode. You got the days, girl. What's that? 2000? Well, 2001. It was, two, it was right 2000, before 9-11. Listen. It was right before 9-11. Right before 9-11. Yeah. Um, there's, a, you know, Glitter, the movie, for the girls that don't know, Mariah Carey movie, was a bomb. A horrible bomb. She talks about how she felt that Tommy Matola set her up. She, we kind of had hinted before, you know, she had a song that she was doing with Ja Rule that a Puerto Rican singer that she doesn't really know whose name starts with a J and maybe ends in a low. (laughs) Stole her goddamn goddamn, uh, sample for her, for I'm Real. She sure did. So she talks a lot about that happening. She talks a lot about the TRL where she's like, oh, you know, this wasn't just me coming out of nowhere. Of course they knew I was going to be there. And I mean, Mariah's always dressed to like, especially those later years. She's, you know, got in touch with her sexuality, dressed with skimpy outfits. Um, And of course, while that's happening, there's also, she's got this new deal with, is it Virgin, I think? Yeah, at is the it? time it was Virgin. With yes. Virgin, and they're calling her to like be p- working in the studio, and she's just trying to find some space and time. Her mom's, you know, chasing her, her brother's kind of setting her up. Ultimately, her mom goes full care and calls the police on her. So there's like the background to that. And you're right, she doesn't, you get the feeling that she's overwhelmed and potentially could ha- is having a breakdown, but she ultimately doesn't name the fact that, or she doesn't really talk about. She just thought she hadn't, illness, yeah, she hadn't slept in five or six days. Yes. Bitch, it's because you were having a manic episode. That's why you haven't slept in five or six days because you're bipolar, girl. Name so... it, claim it, and and allow people to get that information so it can help the girls and not have mm. put a, such a stigma to it. And when you don't talk about it, you know. So. Yeah, so so I feel like let's let's like one more thing I just want to tap, and then we can kind of get because I think you're kind of starting to get into some of the critiques of the autobiography. But one of the things I just want to say is like kind of around that episode and what she kind of talks about, especially mentioning Princess Diana. I think what I took away on top of just like I learned so much about how Mariah views blackness, which I think was something I never really thought about. I feel like she doesn't she does do me some interviews about it, but I just feel like I didn't understand that she has such a deep 
I have surprisingly deep or thoughtful understanding of blackness and being mixed. And, you know, I feel like Mariah, that that case can be made because everyone's like, oh, if there's more mixed babies, the world will be less racist. Mm, not I don't know about that. No. I yeah. Don't know about that. And, <laughs> but, um, uh, and yeah, I think ahead. too, it was a very unique experience being mixed race and black in the seventies on Long yeah, Island and white fair. towns in Long Island. I think she definitely had a very oh, tough yeah. experience to it. I think that was a tough experience. So I, oh, I yeah. think, yeah, I think she does have this privilege by being fair skinned and having light wavy hair and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think that was a tough, ex- I think that was tough for that girl. Oh I, no, completely. But I yeah. also just think as we've learned in the last several years, we're not that far from that time period. Those girls are still here. Yeah. Um, but the, I think the other thing I took away from this was just Mariah's take on celebrity and how her relationship with her fans and how much she cares about them motivates them. And also they saved her in some ways. And I think the fact that like, you know, fans can count like how powerful tabloids and press was to literally like you know they killed diana girl like to yes, do that yeah. and she kind of talks about she says that, that. Um, she says that and how that relationship is different now and how that in some ways i mean in some ways i think maybe it's gone too far where like okay you're just giving beyonce her own column to write like all right i get it but um but i think the power to own your own narrative and i think that's for anyone not just celebrities um but any that there, I mean, yeah, I think um, we'll talk about the comeback, but yeah, there was just, I think just that, like, like I, I think po- when she talked about glitter beyond that, I think that's where it felt like it started to fall. I mean, maybe that ghostwriter was having trouble trying to wrangle her. It just felt like, it felt like it just became essays, and I didn't mind that, but a part of me felt like, okay, well, now we're not really giving autobiography anymore. Like, a part of me was like, maybe you should have stopped it there or stopped it before like maybe you're just not ready to go into some of those stories right, but it right. felt it felt she was putting it honestly. all on her mom and her brother who were trash but like girl you were having issues uh, like they she was putting it all on them and they're not good people but it's like girl you were having a breakdown you were having a manic yeah. episode and say that name it name it and say what it she is. does because yeah. that's what was happening you that's what she does talk about therapy but i mean maybe she's so now I don't know. That is weird. I don't she's know. She's a what bipolar that's about. girl. She's a bipolar <laughs> You're girl. You're so stupid. You're she like, is. why won't she say it? I don't know. But why do you think she didn't say it? I mean, I think it's because she's just not ready to. But then she she way. had a whole People cover, People magazine cover in 2018 revealing she was bipolar. So why not bring it back into the autobiography? If you were going to name yeah. it and claim it back then, two years later in your autobiography, this is the place where you should expand. I think it, I think it just still feels, I think it still feels fresh. Or it feels too, and I, like, I think that, and I think, I think it's I mental, I think it's mental health stigma and the girl just doesn't want to claim it anymore. She mm. thought, okay, two years ago, that was a thing, but now that's not my reality anymore. When, mm. when it's still your reality and you're probably still on meds. So, you know, <laughs> be honest. <laughs> and you know, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a lamb. I just like, I, I I want the girls to be honest, to tell it like it is. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. So we have a comeback. Um, somehow she gets on her meds. <laughs> and we've got our comeback, Emancipation of Mimi. We belong together. Um, or just in general, how do you feel like, you know, leading up to now where Mariah is? I mean, last year there was everything around. Um, uh, oh, my God. I forgot it. Um Oh my God! Uh, Around the what? Oh, I literally forgot it. Oh, all I want for Christmas is you. I literally just oh, blanked okay, on it. I'm like, okay, I literally yeah. know it. I was about to say like baby for Christmas. I'm like, no, what's the whole song? All I want for Christmas is you. Was last year, and that got um that was like number one, and and then um 
Our, oh, they one of her glitter songs got to our glitter got to number one album wasn't that last year yeah but one of the things lover boy which is actually i love that song lover boy but it only made it to number two that's what caused her breakdown they never were able to get that single back to number one i would have loved yeah. if that if they were able to get her that 20th number one single i feel so like she, she still needs that she's she still needs it. that 20th because I mean, she's, she's got a tie and then i want her to get two more number ones oh so she's, she's gotta get beatles. two more i want yeah. she'll, she's she'll, she'll tie it. the beatles and then with two more she'll be the She'll exceed the Beatles for the most number one songs ever in history. So I think she'll get it. She'll get it. Um, I believe in her. But let's just talk about like Mariah, where she is today. Like how you feel? I mean, I I feel like she's in a good place. Like I that's do what too. I, was say. I do too. You know, she's got a Christmas special. I mean, this is you know Mariah's the star of the Christmas. I think that's she's so the cool. queen of Christmas. Mariah is the queen of Christmas. You know, she really um, is. And yeah, she has this Apple TV special coming out what December fourth. Called mm-hmm. Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas Special. I think Misty Copeland, Snoop Dogg, Jennifer Hudson, Jermaine Dupri, Ariana Grande. I can't believe Ariana Grande's there because I always thought she didn't like her. No, girl. Said. I guess they don't have an antagonistic relationship. I guess people assume that, just like they assumed it with Whitney Houston. And she mm. said she never had any issues with Whitney Houston. So the girl, the media, and the and people just put that onto her. But she really. She only has issues with Jennifer Lopez because of very specific reasons, mm. right? Where the girl stole her sample. But like, yes. other than that, I think she gets she can get along with other talent and other yeah. divas like Whitney Houston, and even newer ones like you know Ariana Grande. I think so. I think she's not that girl that people think yeah. she is. Yeah. Well, fuck Nicki Minaj. But um. Yeah. But I mean, to start wrapping up, like, I mean, what were your favorite? What What was your favorite takeaway? What What, what were you? What did you hope to get out of the book? Did you feel like you got out of it? Like for me, I told you, like her idea of blackness, I never knew that girl had that kind of deep thoughts for a non-college girl, as right, you say. Right. But um, beyond that, and her thoughts on celebrity, um, but what about you, girl? Yeah, two of my favorite takeaways, one of which is I like is a lamb. I always wanted to know more about her upbringing and her childhood because I knew it was troubled. She she speaks about her, her parents and her brother and sister in very like troubled terms. So actually getting the full story around it was very helpful to me. And my favorite parts of the book, though, really were the parts where it tied back to my favorite musical moments from her. So like the Always Be My Baby remix in the video for that and the recording mm. of that and where she mm. like she tells the story of why they how they all ended up at her you know, $30 million house in Westchester County and how that, you know, the story around that, that was so cool. Or the story around recording the Emancipation of Mimi and going down to Atlanta and recording with Jermaine Dupri mm-hmm. and like learning those stories behind my, some of my favorite mm-hmm. music. That was like incredible. That was my favorite part of the book. Honestly, that was my favorite part. Yeah. And in the audio book where she breaks out in a musical interlude is amazing. I love that. Too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the love the Diana Ross Story. Like those small stories about like meeting certain people, like singing hero for September 11th, like just these small moments where you forget like, oh, wow, she just has such an impact on like for our lives. Sure. Um, sure. But ultimately, yeah. And I know it's like the ghostwriter doing some of it, but also those small moments, which I kind of wish this almost was a book of essays. Like when she talks about getting her first couch or like that little boy untangling her hair, which is like the story behind the cover as well. Like, I just loved kind of, even if it was her telling her ghostwriter, it's still something that like, I just love that that girl's a bit deeper than I thought. And I really appreciated that. But yeah, I was so happy that um you reminded... I, I mean, I was probably going to read this anyway. I have a really good friend who's also in the Lambley. <laughs> so I was sure. And it was actually something I was really looking forward to reading. So I'm so glad we did this, girl. I think um definitely y'all girls let us know at askthem, A-S-K-T-H-E-M, at twosayqueens.com what you think about us doing this. Maybe we'll do more like <laughs> to say queen book clubs but um yeah i was really happy that we read this what about you girl 
Yeah, I, I had always intended to read it, so I'm glad we were able to share it with our listeners, you know, the, our experiences yeah. as part of our, you know, our uh, our ghetto book club that we, <laughs> our ghetto version of the book, <laughs> of a book club. Uh, uh, we'll come up with a cute name for it. Yeah, um, so, yeah. with that, that's our show. No, no. <laughs> Follow us on social media at Two Save Queens. Don't forget to share the show on IG, on Twitter, on the, in the fleet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't forget about the fleet, girl. Uh, don't forget about those. Don't fleets, leave your honey. house without the fleet, bitch. <laughs> um, you know how to rate us and review us on the preferred podcast platform of your choice. I hope y'all stay safe, healthy, and saved out there. Um, Miss Deverell, you got to find a word. Yeah, girls. I mean, for all, for, you know, girls, don't go around your moms, dads, aunties, and grandmas, girls. If you haven't really been quarantining and acting right, don't do it for Thanksgiving. Like, everybody, we want everyone to have a safe Thanksgiving. And, you know, that last minute test you're going to get tomorrow is, like, not enough. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> don't don't take your family out on Thanksgiving, ho. Like, it's one holiday loss so that you can spend many more together. So just do a solo mm. Thanksgiving like I'm doing if you haven't been living right, girls. Okay? All right. Amen. Amen. Okay. Bye, girls. Act right. <laughs>